Welcome back to the Effie Awards, everyone. I took last week off. You know you missed me. It was a hard week. I know, but you, you stayed strong, so I'm back. <laughs> We're going to talk about four new nominees for our Effie Awards, the best of the worst of annual legal ethics violations. Our first case, we're gonna get right into it. The nominee is the movie Speed Kills. Need some repairs, champ. Got some holes in her. And I want you to take care of it. Mm. No, we don't do those kind of repairs. I'm sure you do. As a matter of fact, I know you do. Mm. And while you're at it, how about you put some of that custom seat stitchings you've been doing on the new ones? I'd really like that. And when you're done, you can run the bill over my uncle. Let me ask you something. Hmm. Did your uncle teach you how to swim? This is a nominee in the eager beaver category. Although here we have not so eager of a beaver. Uh, this person graduated from law school in 1995. And it wasn't until 2017 that they sought admittance. Now, a lot of people, when they get out of law school, they want to backpack across Europe or something. This guy must have backpacked across the solar system. I don't know what it takes 22 years to see in Europe, but he's back. Now, for anyone to get licensed, there basically is a two-step process. One, the part you know about, they have to pass the bar. The second part is passing the moral character and fitness exam. Now, this isn't the kind of thing where you have to do a physical exam, right? <laughs> That's not the kind of thing. They don't come in and you know drop a quarter and see if you pick it up. They just ask you a bunch of questions and want to know everything about your life up until now. And here's the problem and why this lawyer should have gone earlier. See, when he was 1995, he's probably 25, 26 years old. He hadn't had a lot of time to mess up. But by 2017, he had messed up everything. He had a spotty employment record, uh, two domestic violence convictions, or at least arrest, 17 traffic violations, mostly for speeding. And those were his high points, the good things. Financially, he was even worse. 2011, he had a tax lien. 2015, filed for bankruptcy. Now, when he graduated from law school, he graduated with 50K in student loan debt. That is now 80K. So at this rate, he'll pay this off? Never. So with all these things going against him, the Ohio bar was like, uh, nah, bruh, we can't let you up in here. You a mess already. We certainly can't give you responsibility, give you a stamp of approval, and then have you acting a fool up in here. He then appealed and took it to the Ohio Supreme Court, which said, uh, nah, bruh, they're right. You gotta get your stuff together. And here's part of the problem we have with you. Not only have you been messing up and just acting a fool for the last 20 years, 20 years, by the way, but you're not even taking responsibility for that. When we ask about you, you say, oh, it's my ex-wife's fault. Really? It's her ex-wife's fault for being a victim of domestic violence? What, she, did, she didn't duck fast enough? You blamed your former girlfriend? Girlfriend's not even a thing. She has no, no power over you. Blame the police for citing you for speeding? I guess they're supposed to just let you go. You can't be a lawyer. Now, if you're a practicing lawyer, don't get too cocky here. See, a lot of times lawyers think, well, hey, I've already passed a moral character. And it's not like a physical exam where they want you to come back every year, right, put the glove on and, you know, and have you bend over the table, hypothetically. That's not the way this works. They're only going to test you this one time, and if you get through, you're good. 
except for if you decide you want to move somewhere. You decide you want to relocate. Maybe one of your parents get sick. Maybe they're healthy and you really want to get away from them. Whatever it is, when you do that, you have to apply the new place, the new state. And a lot of times you've been a lawyer long enough, they don't make you retake the bar. They say, okay, you know the law, that's fine. But what they do say is, we're gonna still run your moral character. Because if you've been acting fool over there, we're definitely not gonna let you in over here. And that's where a lot of lawyers get caught up. They think, hey, no need to pay my bills, my taxes, <laughs> no need to drive anywhere within the speed limit. The 17 traffic violations I mentioned were mostly for speeding, which is why this lawyer, why I call this speed kills. And what was most disturbing about it was how the lawyer is trying to explain this away. Well, you know, what I've done now to make sure this doesn't happen is I put the car in cruise control. So even on side streets, it's 25, I got it on cruise control. And that's fine, but I don't believe you. 17 is, 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 is a pretty big number. I would have thought that, oh, two would have really been enough. Three, maybe. Uh, I'm guessing you still put in your cruise control 15 miles above the speed limit. You just like to drive fast. And, and speed kills uh, your law career because uh, you're not going to have one. <laughs> if you're not a lawyer, this still is something that you should take heed of. This idea that your quote-unquote moral character and by the way, these aren't just moral issues. It's financial responsibility, right? how well you take care of your obligations. Obviously, violence and that type of thing is a problem. But if you need another type of license, just about every type of license is going to want to look into this professional license. And even if you don't need a professional license, your employer. And now that they have the increased ability to do background checks and take a lot on the Internet to find out, you really have to keep you know, your stuff together. It isn't a matter of, well, I'm grown now. Uh, no, 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 you still are always, you think of it this way, you're always sort of looking for a job. <laughs> Not that you don't want to leave your place, but you want to at least be able to get one at the next place. And you know these companies, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, that day is of 40 years, and you know you automatically get the gold watch. Mm-mm-mm. So you really want to make sure, right, that you are employable. Now, one thing that's kind of harsh, seems unfair, is the indebtedness that you consider that a, a moral failing if you don't have the money to pay then how can you pay what do you want me to do you go sell crack instead no but here's what you do need to do you need to call somebody see a lot of times lawyers get in trouble not because they didn't pay the money but because they haven't made any arrangements to do so because they've left their creditors in the lurch and it's important even if you don't have the money to just call and say, hey, I'm over here. Uh, how about I come by, you know, and wash the car? <laughs> Maybe that won't work. But you really do want to have some evidence that you paid something, you tried something. You certainly don't want to have the school on people going, hey, you know, if you hear from Jimmy, have him call me. That's not going to work well. If the school on people are calling your bar trying to get your new address, that's going to be bad for everybody. So you know I'm keeping Tom company this week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Alex keeps him company without also having sex with him. I assume. What does that mean? Mommy, do Elmo voice. Elmo thinks you should do what you feel is right. Yeah. Well, I don't really know what I think's right. I think I'm just, you know, time will tell, I think. 
And Elmo thinks time will tell. Can you mind not doing that? I feel like you're repeating back what I'm saying. Honestly, Elmo thinks you should shit or get off the pot. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, why would do Cookie Monster? I... Me think that's a really rude thing to say, Elmo. <laughs> what Elmo say? It's been five years, almost five years. You either love him or you don't. But me love him, but it's very complicated. Cookie doesn't get everything handed to him on a... Silver platter, like Elmo. Cookie, <laughs> that's a career he wanted. Tom moved to Michigan so Cookie could work. Okay, Elmo wanted to be a kinesiologist, and instead, Elmo is cleaning puke off her shirt every day. Well, maybe as nice as these little Elmos are, Elmo should have considered using protection. C is for condom. That's good enough for me. That hilarious scene was from the movie the five-year engagement. And that's our nominee in the category for the AT&T Award, which as you know is the award we give for lawyers who fail to reach out, reach out and touch someone, namely the client. And this lawyer had a five-year engagement in which he did a poor job of reaching out to the client and pretty much everything else. So he's hired in 2015 by a securities broker to sue his former employer for retaliatory discharge. Now, there's a special process that these complaints can go to with the Financial Regulatory Authority. And for two years, the lawyer tells the client, look, we filed with them and they're dragging their feet. All right, but we're going to get it. And then two years later, he says, okay, look, you know, let's just go to court instead. Now, by go to court instead, I don't mean that he filed a lawsuit. He didn't ever file with the Financial Regulatory Authority, but he told the client they were going to court instead. Six months later, the client, he tells the client, okay, look, the lawsuit has fi finally been filed. Eight months after that, he says, oh, well, you know what, sorry, the other side is dragging their feet with discovery. Five months later, he says, okay, look, <laughs> we got a hearing later this month, and you know what, I'm going to be asking the judge for sanctions because these fools aren't doing anything. Now, notice he has not filed anything. How can people respond to discovery that you and a lawsuit you haven't even filed? But, but he doesn't, doesn't matter because four months later, he tells the client, okay, look, just had a settlement conference, which he didn't. And the other side, they're really this close to settling. Eight months later, still no news. Now, if you haven't been doing the math here, we're five years into this. And the client obviously is a patient of Job, but even Job has a limit. <laughs> and we've reached Job's limit. He calls his lawyer friend, says, hey, this guy is taking forever. Can you call him, help him out? And so sure enough, the friend, also a lawyer, right, calls this lawyer and says, hey, I'm here. I know you're having trouble with this. Tag me in. Let me, let me help you. And the lawyer says, oh, whoa, 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 no, 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 we can't, we, we can't do that. See, see what it happened, what, what, what it happened, and the other lawyer friend's like, look, you know, just tell me, all right, where's the case filed? At that point, the lawyer panics and just blurts out a name of a judge, Judge Brown. This is the problem. Um, the lawyer friend calls the clerk and says, hey, this case has been assigned to Judge Brown. Can I get in on it? And they said, what case? You don't have a case? No. The lawyer friend says, okay, let me make some, do some checking. He checks everywhere, 
all right? <laughs> all the courts, state, federal, local, um, people's court, right? The basketball court at the park, no cases anywhere. At that point, it's over. <laughs> that day, calls the client, the client withdraws, the lawyer takes over the matter, which I imagine at this point is probably time barred. This was five years ago. And so the lawyer, what is real, issue or what his real job here now is, is to make sure that this tardy lawyer uh, isn't tardy with anybody else. They file the bar complaint. Now, the only thing going for our nominee is that he happens to be in the state of New York. And New York is strange. Sometimes they're on the ball. Sometimes they're a little harsh. And other times they're like, ah, me right, lawyers will be lawyers. And so this lawyer, despite lying for five years, Probably getting this guy's case time barred, certainly delaying his, right, justice delayed is just denied. Five years, the bar comes down and gives him a harsh penalty of a six month suspension. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna make a new rule. All the other state bars, listen up, right? If you don't listen to the podcast, you need to, because I've made a new rule, damn it. It is my rule now. Sean has spoken, right? The humorist has spoken. Here's a new rule. If you lie to the client, Tell him you filed a complaint that you didn't. Your punishment is however long you kept up that lie. Right? You keep up the lie for five years, you get five years suspension. I don't see how it could be any less than that. Because at this point, I'm moving to New York and I'm lying to everybody. Six months? Why would you ever take responsibility if the most you're going to get is six months for this egregious thing in which you have lied to this guy time and time again about a lawsuit that you never even filed? One that, by the way, in five years, you had time to file. I know you have busy practice, but I think in five years, you had one weekend, right? You could have gotten this done. You chose not to because you figured it'd be easier to lie, and the bar allowed you to get away with it. Shame on you, and, and shame on them. And shame on Seamus. I don't even know who Seamus is, but, but it, it, it has shame in it. Shame on all y'all. Now, I want you to bend over the desk so you're looking directly at it. Get your face very close to the letter and read the letter aloud. Um, I don't understand. There's nothing to understand. Put your elbows on the desk. Bend over. Get your face close to the letter and read it aloud. Dear Mr. Garvey, I'm grateful to you for referring... Continue. For referring me to your case. The subject of animal captivity has been of interest to me for quite a while, and my secretary has prepared research material that I think you will find illuminating. If you would be so kind as to send me the June 5th letter of which we spoke, my associates and I will review it immediately. Please feel free to call me at your earliest convenience. Yours sincerely, E. Edward Gray. Uh, that, th th that was a scene from the movie, I had never heard of it until now, uh, Secretary. It starred uh, the Gillingall, Gillingall, you know what I'm talking about. And um, David Spader, um, I watched the clip that I played for you 
um, more than once, uh, pretty much a lot, uh, pretty much since last Tuesday. Um, I'm I'm gonna leave you now. You see, I'm flustered. I'm gonna go have a cigarette. I- I'll be right back. All right, I, I'm back. Um, I'm going to make a confession. I don't smoke cigarettes. I had to go buy cigarettes. By the way, when did I get to be 12 bucks a pack? That's crazy out here. Anyway, I'm back. <laughs> Let's talk about this nominee. Movie secretary It's in the David Copperfield Award. This is for those lawyers who have the magical ability to make client funds uh, disappear. Interestingly, normally it's the lawyer who makes the funds disappear, but here, the assistant, right, the magic assistant, the secretary, was the one who made the funds disappear. This, in this case, was a lawyer's long time and long embezzling secretary. Now, as far back as 2013, the lawyer had caught her stealing money from one of his estate clients. More specifically, she had written a check, right, from the trust that he had set up for this client. Now, just by chance, that client happened to be the lawyer's aunt. And he was set to inherit a little bit of money from her. Right? She's, you know, doil, doling out the money, just like aunties do, right, Thanksgiving. You know, here, you'd like a quarter, you like this, would you like $3,300? And so the money he was going to get from, right, his inheritance was about the money she had stolen. And so he said, you know, we'll just, you know, call it a wash. It's even. But don't you ever, 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 ever ever do it again and she said fine I, I would never ever 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 do it again and then for the next three years that's pretty much all she did I don't know how she got time to work because it seemed like she was just writing checks to herself all the time to the tune of hundred and ninety one thousand dollars now when the lawyer discovered these thefts he's like look secretary schmeckertary this woman's going to jail and the secretary does go to jail but there's a small matter of the $191,000, <laughs> right? Who's gonna pay that back? Now you'll find this hard to believe, but the secretary hadn't saved all of that stolen loot. Who would? And so she's dead broke. Doesn't have a job now, obviously, right? Going to jail. They put her on a restitution plan, and I'm not exaggerating here. It was for $1,250 a month. I'm not saying $1,250 a month. I'm saying $12.50 a month, $150 a year. By my rough calculations, I'm going to carry the four, by the hypotenuse, it would take her until the year 3293, no exaggeration, I did, I used a calculator, to pay that money back. I assume that by then nobody would really need it, and what would $191,000 do for you then? <laughs> That means that somebody else will need to pay that money back, and that's the lawyer. He has to make good on these losses. And between him and his insurance, he's able to make good on, on most of it. But now the bar says, hey, we gotta take our pound of flesh. And it's really just a nibble because the lawyer only gets a six month sentence. Now, you say, well, Sean, that's still kind of a lot. He didn't steal money himself. He's responsible for for his assistant. Yeah, and not just financially, but ethically. One of the ethics rules says that if you have an assistant or someone who's working for you, if they do something at your direction 
or if your approval or something you said later said, yeah, that's good, then you're responsible. You're also responsible, even if you don't know about it, if after you find out that they messed up one thing, you don't stop them and you allow them to just run wild. And that's the case here. The lawyer allowed this secretary after the first time catching her, she wouldn't do it again. Why would she? Why would she not? She got the money the first time. <laughs> Why would she not keep doing it? When the secretary was caught stealing the first time, the lawyer had a responsibility right, to fire her or immediately or at least right, bend her over the desk and, and spank her. Right? There's a naughty girl. Oh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take another cigarette break. Uh, that movie keeps coming back in my head. Oh, ho hold on. In all seriousness, okay? The lawyer here should have fired this assistant secretary, and he didn't. His excuse was, I needed her. This lawyer is largely computer illiterate. Everything, obviously, on their, in their office is on computers, and he's like, I don't know how to use any of this. Right? I don't even know how I would have called the police to take her away. I, I don't know what the phone number is. It's in the computer somewhere. And he said, if I had fired her immediately, I, I couldn't have, have run my office. In fact, after he caught her with the 191000 he still didn't fire her for a couple months until she had you know, taught him how to use everything. And this is a good thing to remember. Ultimately, you are responsible for you and everybody who works under you. And even though you don't have to be able to do their job, you need to know enough about it to get someone else to do it or at least replace them. And that applies to everything. We see that very often with lawyers. Sometimes a lawyer will hire out or farm out their website, which is perfect. No lawyer needs to be doing you know, HTML and Perl, right? I don't know what those things are, but I, I looked it up on the internet. No lawyer needs to be doing that type of thing. But you do need to know right, how to get into right, your website, how to change ISPs. All the passwords so that if this person decides, right, that, you know, for whatever reason they're mad at you, they can't just lock you out of your own site. We had a case where a lawyer needed to make some changes in their site. The bar said, hey, what you're doing here, we think is unethical. You are, you know, marketing yourself in a way that's misleading. Take down, you know, change that on the site. He couldn't. Couldn't find the person in Bangladesh that he hired. And it was like, you know, I don't know what to do with this website. I don't know how to get it down or anything like that. That's the problem. He's responsible for that. And so part of you know, what should happen here is lawyers should really make sure that we're not so dependent on someone that they leave because people leave or, or get sick right? or steal all the money. Then we need to be able to replace them. Just a little bit, yeah, baby. Just a little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. 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 Just a little b
It's almost 3 a.m. Well, we're writing a hit song. It's Otis Redding's song. Just a little bit. <laughs> that was a clip from the Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect. We got an early release scene from that movie, which just opened today, Friday, August 13th. Excellent. Love me some Aretha. Who, who doesn't love the Queen of Soul? I'm sad that her funeral ever ended. It, was, it went on about six months, and it, it was great. It was better than those versus battles. But eventually, they had to lay our sister to rest. Still, long live the Queen of Soul, no doubt. Here we have a South Carolina magistrate who also wanted his R-E-S-B-E-C-T, right? He had respect. Put, put some respect on my name is how he would have said it, but with probably with a South Carolinian accent. <laughs> In any event, last year, COVID hits. Everything closes down and the courts close down too, but they've got to figure out a way to have justice because people need to go to trial. They need to have their right, civil cases heard, etc. And so two months or so into this, the chief magistrate for this South Carolina county pulls all the magistrates together and says, okay, let's have a meeting and let's figure out what we're going to do here. We're going to have you know, hand sanitizers here. No one can come within 20 feet here, right? Make sure, right, that you brush between every, you know, after every meal, you know, all the COVID protocols. This lawyer, or I'm sorry, magistrate, junior magistrate, is just disgusted by the whole thing. I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing that he thought, you know, that, um, you know, maybe we were getting caught by the hoax, right? And that, um, you know, we were over, de definitely over uh, playing the, the COVID hand. And so during the entire time when she's trying to lay out her plan for how they're going to go forward, he is in the back of the room, you know, jeering, you know, whatever, right? So much so that the chief magistrate has to apologize to everyone else and say, look, we're just going to end the meeting, do this at another time when, <laughs> you know, <laughs> boy has, you know, a little less, uh, you know, lip gas. Now the meeting's over and now this magistrate who's been disrespectful to the chief magistrate feels like he's been disrespected. And now he's running around telling everybody how everybody needs to respect him. Y'all need to show some respect for me. He's waiting for the chief magistrate to finish. He's talking to other people, etc. And when she turns around to get ready to, to leave the room, he's standing there hitting his fists together. And let's be honest, that's some real cowardly you-know-what. I'm not going to say more about this. I gotta try to model a sense of respect for, for authority. I'm having a hard time understanding your authority, a baby magistrate. How you gonna get respect when you're not giving it? Why would anybody respect you and your role in, in office when you don't respect the chief magistrate? And by the way, what was the chief magistrate doing? What was she doing to disrespect you? Trying to keep everybody alive? <laughs> Trying to make sure we all didn't get Ebola or at least cooties? This is a, a situation where part of it is dealing with this COVID uh, or pandemic. And trust me, I totally get it. My job is to go out and speak before live audiences. I am the classic extrovert. You think I haven't missed this? But what good would it do for me to run around and threaten to beat up 
<laughs> the chief humorist, all right, of the world, or a judge or anyone like that. And we see lawyers increasingly going nuts here. I understand it. I, I promise you. But we've got to show some impulse control. I'm going to tell you a secret. There's way too much information, but hopefully it makes the point. I was on a plane last week coming back uh, and flew through Dallas. Now, I, despite the fact that I fly a lot, sometimes suffer from claustrophobia. I'm on that hot plane with a mask, and as soon as we get to the runway, I start panicking and have an attack and say, oh my, I got to get off this plane. I don't know what I got to do. I got to run out the door. I, I, I jump out. Uh, maybe, you know, phone in a bomb threat. I got to get off this plane. I'll drive back to, to Phoenix, but, but I'm, I'm freaking out. And, and here's what got me. I realized that every option I had to get off that plane would require me to spend more time in an even smaller room for even longer. Because they weren't going to just let me get off the plane and go home. I was going to go to jail. And if I'm claustrophobic on a plane where you have people bringing you drinks and food and nobody stabbing you, then I, I'm going to lose it in a jail. And so you know what I did? I sat there, put my, kept my mask on, and shut the hell up. People, we're grown. You got to have impulse control. Right? I know you don't like it. There's something you, know, you heard someone say something you didn't like, etc. You're not six. All right? You just got to suck it up. When people have authority, you've got to respect that. Why? Because when you get authority, you want people to respect that. That's how this works. That said, um, I've mentioned, I've told you too much about me. I'm really kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. Uh, let's do this. Let's forget that I said any of this. <laughs> Next week we'll come back and we act like I'm a totally sane and rational person. But until then, everyone, you take care of yourself. I mean this. I, I, I need you out there. Particularly if you're a lawyer, you bring in people for CLE. Um, you can't be dead because you can't give me money that way. All right? Everybody needs to take care of yourself. We're almost kind of near, sort of, maybe kind of in the end. Just, just, <laughs> just calm down, all right? And let's try to get this together. And finally... If you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or at the Ethie Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.